You're listening to WNHH 103.5 FM Community Radio in New Haven, Connecticut. This is The Table Underground, and I'm your host, Tegan Engel. We're digging into stories on food, radical love, and creative social justice. Welcome to the Food Squad Fall Edition 2019. The Food Squad is a rotating crew of food lovers from all backgrounds. They show up a few at a time at the Table Underground to dish on food finds, eating adventures, food justice, personal stories, recipes, and so much more. This is the joy of food in life and community, every community, and it's delicious, fun, and definitely not your average food show. Our guests today are Mr. Stephen Ross. Hey, Steve. Hey, how you doing? Good. Steve is a longtime New Haven area chef involved in restaurants such as Cast Iron Skillet, Anchor Spa, and most recently, Bomb Wings and Rice Bowls. And Miss Babs Rawls Ivy. Hey, Babs. Hey, girl. What's happening? <laughs> Babs is the editor in chief of Inner City Newspaper. She's a radio host and a foodie extraordinaire. So happy to have you here. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. And Miss Frankie Douglas. Hey, Frankie. Come closer, girl. Okay. <laughs> Hi. Scoot yourself closer. So, Frankie is the marketing manager at City Seed. She's a recent grad of Johnson & Wales Culinary School and a New Haven native who is passionate about food and thoughtful about food and cooking. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. I've been trying to get her on the show for like two years, so I'm happy she's finally here. <laughs> so today's fall show will touch on ways that food, cooking, and gathering with others help each of us to be our best selves. Frankie's going to share on the joys of fall food, on the joys of her fall food adventures in her healing from depression and trauma and also her first trip out to an apple orchard. We'll also get a taste of an inspired version of chicken and dumplings from Chef Steve, and Babs, I'm sure, is going to chime in on everything. She's also (laughs) going to tell us about her new home and the joys and importance of front porch living. Porching! Yeah, porching. I got Instagram. (laughs) That's right. And if there's a little time, I'm going to try to squeeze in some stuff about a recent fall food adventure I took up to Vermont, a an impromptu dosa making lesson mm. in Vermont of all places and also wow. some munching on some heirloom apples. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that's a lot. But you know, fall is so exciting. So so since Steve, you're here, you got some hot soup in front of you. Yes. I thought we would start with you. Okay. So we don't want the soup to get cold. Don't let it get cold. But just to get us started, before we taste your soup, mm-hmm. can you tell me where where did this recipe come from? I mean it's like a variation from um I don't know, I'm a big fan of sweet potatoes. So I mean, I know this is the fall show, but fall, springs, I love sweet potatoes. So, yeah. um, I just did this. My grandmother used to make this all the time, chicken and dumplings. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I just didn't, it's just inspired. I put collard greens on mine and I put, I make the dumplings with sweet potatoes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Uh, I yeah. haven't had it with sweet potatoes. Yeah, sweet potato dumplings. He's so creative, right? That's why I love, I love uh, cooking with you and I, having you on because you do I taste it, a, little a little twist. They need to be a little sweeter, mm-hmm. but it's dope. Yeah, you like it. Okay, it's fly. So you used to eat chicken and dumpling soup with your grandparents? Yes, yes. That's that's one of the things about cooking. Like I, I, I remember most um, with uh, coming home from like, especially like I think it's everybody's. Well, not everybody, but especially. I don't know how to word this right. There's no right way. You black just, people just, just say what okay. you want to say. <laughs> black, go ahead and say yeah, black people. Okay. That's right. That's a very black people dish right there. That's exactly. right. You come home from church and you go, uh, you know what I'm saying? You go in the kitchen, it smells good, it smells mm-hmm. great. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's what kind of inspired that. It's just, it's just like, I hate that I know the term term comfort is like overused, but it's really comforting to me and makes me feel good and I enjoy making it. 
Yeah. And you used to eat Sunday dinner with your grandparents every week? All the time, every yeah. Sunday. Yeah, you grew up going over there? Yeah. And did you love your grandma's chicken and dumpling soup? Everything she made, I love. Yeah. yeah. Is that how you got started cooking? I think so, because, you know, I spent a lot of time um, with her or just being there. Sometimes things kind of permeate to, to you subconsciously. Yeah. And you just, <laughs> that's what you that's what you do. Like, my, my, I'm most comfortable in the kitchen. So I think that comes, thank you, from um, being with my grandmother and... That's really where and you was, feel you feel right in that space I, in the absolutely, kitchen. Absolutely, absolutely. That's that's my comfort zone. Yeah, yeah man. Like yeah. I, <laughs> I go in anybody's kitchen and, and feel I'm straight. I I come in. All right, I, I live I'm at good. 75 Ivy Street. <laughs> 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 I have a beautiful big kitchen. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I cook on the porch. Yes, we've already had soup on the porch. I see. So come, come That's dope. That's dope. <laughs> Bring the wings, baby. Yeah, I mean, I heard you when I was talking to you before the show. You mm-hmm. told me that you said that the kitchen's a place that you feel like your best self. Like you're, you're, no- you feel normal in the kitchen. Like that's where I feel like you know, honestly, man, it's like the kitchen for me is just something that's just definite. I just know. I just know what's going on. Sometimes you come out here, and I don't want to call it the real world and sound all weird and stuff, but you come out here, you just, things move. It's, too, it's a lot of moving. I know what's going on in the kitchen. I know <laughs> what needs to be done. I know what's in the fridge. Like, in, like I know what the yeah. steps to take. Yeah. It's like, some, for me, it's like an escape. It's not like a whole work. It is a work thing, but it's not a work thing because I could go there and feel, okay, I'm good. This is where I'm at. Yeah. This is what I do. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's weird. I don't know how to explain it, but of course I love being with my family, but... My release is the kitchen. Yeah. That's, that's where I go. That's where I, I could be comfortable and just do my thing. That's great. And so we got some soup in front of us now. I just served it up. Um, tell us a little. You got these dumplings. How do you make the dumplings? And when do you add them to the soup? When they're done. So for this version, I did two. I did uh, the regular style and I did sweet potato dumplings. So mm-hmm. I did both of them. But I had the sweet potato ones at the end. Mm. Can I eat this? Is this eatable for me? You know, I have a dairy allergy. So if you have butter in this, no butter, but is there any milk in it in the roux? Or... It smells wonderful. No, I wouldn't um. <laughs> it does have eggs. Eggs is fine. Okay. She just can't milk. have milk. Yeah, yeah, you're good. All right. I have no milk. So the dumplings are flour, and what else? The dumplings and are sweet potato. Flour, sweet potato, mm-hmm. or sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, egg. You mix that up. Mm-hmm. Um, I put a little uh water. Chicken stock, mm-hmm. mm, um, so collard good. greens. You like it? Oh so my good. god! <laughs> Can I get some of this to go? Absolutely. It's like it. sweet and salty I'll come and by the creamy. Porch and get my pot. I know. I said, Steve, it's fall. What do you like to cook in fall? He's like soup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is so good. <laughs> you like it? But this is like the best kind of soup. Mm. I like that you put collards in it too. I do that all the time when I'm like, I need to eat some veggies. I don't want to have a salad. It's mm-hmm. cold. Like, I don't want to eat cold vegetables. Mm. And so whatever I'm cooking, I just, like, throw some greens in and just exactly. let it cook. And then you don't even notice. It's just, like, mixed into the food. Chili. Like, I do it in everything. Oh, that's go-to, a good man. idea. Hmm? Collard greens, good go-to. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, you said you mixed sweet potato dumplings and regular dumplings in mm-hmm. this? Okay. For both. It's delicious. They're good. What would your grandma say? Did you mess Did you mess with the original too much or she, she'd be okay with it? She probably won't like the fact that I... Raise the chicken first. Like, I don't cook the chicken and I, I use the juice from, the, I bake the chicken first, use mm. the, the juice from that chicken to make the stock. Mm-hmm. And then I just take the meat off the bones. Mm-hmm. She would just cook it in the everything, bones, whole, like, this is a little shredded. Mm-hmm. So hers would be like whole pieces. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you like it like this? I like it better. Like, it's easier. E- a lot easier. You know yeah. What I'm to eat. Mm-hmm. So. 
Yeah, it's nice. The chicken just kind of mixes in, but it still has a good texture. It's like it's still, you know, you're still mm. chewing it. It feels good. So delicious. And it's a little peppery too. Yeah. Like I like the sweet the and a little pepper. peppery. Yes. Yeah, oh, this would play on the porch. <laughs> right? All right. You know where your next date is. Mm-hmm. I'm coming Broadcasting to the live from Babs's porch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's dope. That's awesome. Well, thank you. This is so delicious. No I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. And I like that you made your own creative twist on it too, you know? I appreciate it. Thank it makes you. it fun. So Miss Frankie, I wanted to come to you for a minute. So you told me that I know fall is is like a favorite season for you. What what about fall do you love? Well, first off, I think I realized uh, my birthday's in fall. I'm a Libra, September 30th. Um, Happy birthday. So I think, thank you. <laughs> so I think like subconsciously that's part of why um, because that time rolls around. And, and then there's like a... Um, just like a couple days that I make about myself mm. and people are celebrating me or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that. But I think, and I mean, you, you touched on it, but like comfort is what fall is all about. That's when you're, you're eating these like warm spices. You're like, you're getting the sweaters out. You're getting the blankets out. You're like snuggling up. You're getting cozy. Um, and then soup also for me is like, oh, I love soup in the fall. I love soup so much. So like, when she said you were bringing soup, I can imagine I was like gushing. <laughs> um, but that's part of it. Um, I, growing up, I liked school. Maybe it's, again, the birthday thing. <laughs> um, but I just, I love school. I love that um, that feeling of going back to school. You're getting ready. It's a new beginning. It's, um, I think people associate fall with death because of the leaves like everything's kind of dying but i mean that's a symbol that things are about to renew and Mm. things are about to regenerate and there yeah there's going to be this like cold period of time but you have this like this beautiful season where things are colorful and you're you're preparing for that and you're preparing for what's to come and then you're going to sprout up and like Mm. Well, well, spring flower or whatever, but yeah, I think of um, that's part of it. School, yeah. going back to school, and so um, like you have struggled a little bit with depression and with um, as I think many of us have struggled with that, and and also like dealing with trying to heal from traumas that are around you and that you you've experienced or that people around you are experiencing. And you had mentioned a little, or I'm curious if you can talk about like how some of these things in fall are are helping you with that. Yeah, so I think, um, so like last year I got a concussion, so I did not enjoy enjoy fall at all. I was like tucked away in the dark. So this year, um, and just the past couple of years have been rough for me, just like emotionally. There was like the transition out of uh, school and just some other like traumas that I was dealing with. It was like I, um, some things from my childhood came up, but also just like these new things. Um, and I think like we all, there are a lot of traumas that we experience and we like, it's really easy to push that in the back of your brain and not think about it. And then when it comes up, it's like, it's really overwhelming to figure out how to deal with that. But, um, what were some of the things that you were doing? Um, being as fall is like my favorite season. Now I'm like really trying to incorporate like all these things that are classic to fall. Um, and just like. Do them and enjoy them with a new perspective and a new, um, just like a new attitude and mm-hmm. really uh, aiming for, I think, 
when you struggle with mental illness, like you're told all these things that are going to help you. And it's not that easy to just like do this and be mindful and all these things. Right. But I've been trying to really actively do that. Um, And so I've been using fall as like a catalyst to do that and like all these fun um fall activities. So like carving a pumpkin and then using the pumpkin to make food and um I went apple picking, obviously. I know. <laughs> As I you love... mentioned. Yeah, so um, I saw you like post a picture of that and you said like, My name is Frankie. I'm twenty three years old. I grew up in Connecticut and I'm going apple picking for the first time ever. And yeah. I was thinking like, wow, that's like a lot of people, I mean, I've gone apple picking a lot. And yeah. so, and I just thought like, wow. And I grew up here also. And so I was thinking like, as a young black woman, like who also grew up in, but you grew up in New Haven, um, like that that was your first time picking and kind of wondering what that experience was for you going out to, they're generally in the suburbs or in rural areas where there's not many black folks generally. And um, how was that experience for you? Um, I think over the course of, like the my young adulthood and later teenage years um I've had to be com comfortable in white spaces um and yeah like so out there it was like a chocolate chip cookie with like <laughs> a really sad amount of chocolate chips um and I was one of those chocolate chips but um no I I didn't feel it I didn't feel too um I try not to let that intimidate me um but it is like something that like you you take you take uh, a look around and you take inventory of and you realize um just kind of like where you are and your place and where you are but also like taking ownership of like making your place where you are um but yeah so I had never gone like I as far as I know uh a lot of my family members like haven't gone or have gone very rarely or maybe just once or twice in their life. So it just wasn't like, and I had been to orchards for like uh, some other things if there were like events going on, but not often, just a couple times. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So that was my first time. I enjoyed it though. I had a lot of fun. I was at like the part of the season where peaches were kind of like going out of season, but like we trekked all the way to the <laughs> the edge of the orchard and we found these peach trees and like they were mostly like dead or like empty but like we found a couple um i don't think i felt too out of place but i do recognize how like just where i come from and like my culture um how that how that um affects um that that lack of experience and the role that that plays Mm -hmm. Did you eat an apple straight off the tree? Yeah. Oh, yeah you got to, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have you all gone apple picking before? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I come from the South. So, you yeah. know, with pecans and apples and all kinds of things off the mm -hmm. trees and stuff like that. So, how about you? Yeah, all the time. My wife and daughter, they love it. Yeah. So, they apple picking, pumpkin picking, June, we're going strawberries. Yeah. So, it's just like a not routine, but that's what we do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think about it sometimes like, I love fruit picking. It's one of my favorite things when I moved back to New Haven from New York City that in like 15, 20 minutes, I could be out on an apple orchard yeah. in the city, which is just amazing. But I think about it a lot, like wondering what the experience is like for people of color coming, going into those spaces. For me, I can go into those spaces as a white person and people don't know if I'm from that town or not. Like they, you know, and it, it 
it isn't it doesn't feel challenging to me to go in those spaces but people aren't staring at me or doing anything to make me feel like I don't belong there and so I'm pretty conscious of that when I go out in those spaces and so I was curious kind of how you felt about that yeah um just like I've I've really had to get used to being in spaces like that especially like at school um yeah Johnson Johnson and Will is a very white space yeah so um do you think some of those some of those things of like dealing with being one of the only black people in a space that's mostly a white space is has affected your depression and some of the mental health issues that you've struggled with yeah (laughs) I was gonna use a word but yes yes absolutely especially as like a woman like a black woman a black queer woman there's just like there are a lot of ideas that exist about you and there's like a pressure to like define yourself like um and kind of fight what ideas already exist about you um but I think yeah it's it has definitely contributed to that and contributed to my relationships um with people outside of my race um, and just like noticing microaggressions and just like noticing little things that, especially over the years that I like never noticed when I was younger, but I felt the effects. I just wasn't like conscious of where those feelings were coming from. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, I've just, I've become more aware of it. And so, um, but it's just, it's troubling. And also just like some of the things like, some of the places where the trauma comes from it's just like experiences that like i know like isn't as common in other cultures like i think about like just like being close to people who do crack like that's not something i think there's like a racial like association with that because we all know about the crack epidemic and like um but then people have their ideas about what that is and what that's like and just like dealing with knowing like my my where I come from, I just like I experience things that I know, yeah, that I know a lot of people in other situations or from other populations aren't as familiar with or don't deal with as yeah. much. And just like we know there are certain parts of our city where people are struggling with things that people outside of that community don't understand and therefore they don't um they don't empathize as well um or they just like don't have that place of understanding mm-hmm. they don't know people going through those things yeah that must be really hard like especially like going out to Johnson and Wales school and just being in a place where people did you just feel like people couldn't understand at all where what you're reality was I mean some of your reality obviously like you love food and cooking yeah, yeah. and you could relate in that way and probably lots of other ways because you like school but like some of your like lived experience reality did was that like a really difficult thing being there yeah I think so um and I wasn't again like I think <laughs> trauma had like I really faced it coming back um and I wasn't like as aware of that experience um or like some of the things that I am now going through that I was going through before, but just like not as like conscious of, but yeah, like I would think about like some of the things that like my people around me or my friends would talk about where I'm like, I didn't have that. Like, or I didn't, didn't know that was as like, that that was normal or like, you know, just uh, having experience um, parts of like my childhood that like 
weren't as normal or like considered common amongst the people that I was amongst. So amongst, <laughs> amongst like white folks who had more money yeah. going to your school. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So as part of your healing from depression, have you also been going to to some kind of therapy? Yeah, I just came from therapy. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. And that's so that was newer for me coming home too, where I had struggled with things in the past, but it, it got to a point where it was like, I need to do something about this and I have access to healthcare and this is great. And I need to take advantage of that and utilize that. Um, yeah. And therapy school because it teaches you other strategies to deal with and cope uh, with your whatever you're struggling. Through. Yeah. You've got like the therapy strategies and then like the get involved in things you love strategies yeah, yeah, like exactly. apple picking and cooking and, and cooking, all of yeah, those exactly. things. Um, and curious. I loved what you said about like feeling at home in the kitchen because that's that's where I feel like was myself too and just like that process of like cooking is it puts you it blocks out the world and it puts you in this like great place where you're creating something Mm -hmm. and yeah what do you think about that steve no i definitely agree man like everybody everybody needs their uh that space and i guess for us it's just i know especially for me it's the kitchen man like if i um like i said earlier that's the only place I feel like, like this is where I belong. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's it's cool, man. Just knowing that, just know what you're doing. Sometimes, like I said, life throw you curveballs, and sometimes you don't know. Um, and mental illness is real, and it's a lot of challenges. And just in everyday life, man, that could just beat you up, and you just don't know which way to go. Sometimes, like, um, so kitchen is always a good go to for me. Mm-hmm. How about you, Ms. Bab? I mean, you know, I'm a trained chef, too. I mean, I don't cook professionally anymore, but I get I get the holiness of the kitchen. Like, I get it. Um, and so I am re- reconnecting back to cooking. Mm-hmm. You know, because when you're a parent, you cook for kids, you cook to get food on. You know what I mean? Like, it's a different... I could, now I could cook the way I was trained to cook. A little mm-hmm. fancier, mm-hmm. a little more uh, exciting and interesting. <laughs> but it's crazy. The more you cook, the more you realize it ain't like, like what you just said, like cooking for your family, your kids. That's really what it's about. You just, you stop cooking for the fanciness and you, uh, you just trying to make some good food for yeah. people. Well, you know? no, well, I mean, I'm the, the point that I'm making is that, you know, cooking for your family is, is you just want to get food out. That's hot and good and whatever. Mm. But, on my own now, I can experiment. I can do some fancier things. Mm. I can use a fancier cut of meat. I can buy an expensive something or other. Mm. I can buy a fancier salt. I can buy, you know, things that would be wasted on a child's palate. Mm. You know, I can, okay. I can, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but you know, I feed my kids all kinds of stuff. And I, and, and I, <laughs> but did, I, lo- I, I love, did too. Yeah, but, yeah, but no. there's just I'm not things. feeding them expensive I'm not stuff, giving them yeah. truffles, right? No, like, no, of course. I mean, yeah. give them truffles periodically, yeah, yeah. but like, like, no. Yeah. <laughs> but I love the creativity that I have now that I'm not working working as a professional chef because I have yeah. energy and I want to cook yeah. at home versus like when yeah. I was working professionally, I come home and I'd be like, whatever is the least amount of work to <laughs> exactly. eat. And now I can like right. be creative and do. You could take your time. Stuff. You have yeah. time, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's time yeah. to do all but, the cool you know, stuff. Just back to what you were saying, Frankie, like I really appreciate you being so honest about struggling with depression and with mental health because that's something that a lot of people hide and that especially I think it's a big thing in the black community that people people want to be strong, right? Like you, the community as a whole is strong and overcomes a lot of like horrible things in our society. But but that like it's sort of a thing that's happening recently that some people are starting to be more open about mental health and about 
getting help and that therapy is a helpful thing, not yeah. a bad thing. And it doesn't like, you know, tarnish you for the, for everything in your life. If you admit to having depression and, and seeing, going to therapy and stuff. And so I was like really brave and wonderful of you to, to do that. And, and I commend you for that. Thank you. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Being in that white, that white space that you call, y'all call it. Did, did you ever feel that as a uh, advantage? But you being like you already highlighted, everybody know who you <laughs> you stick out. Do you ever feel like that was an advantage as well? Sometimes, sometimes, yeah. But then like, there's like a flip side to that. Like sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, you have certain factors working with you, but there's always like an undertone to that where mm-hmm. it's like you dive into like fetishization. Like, mm-hmm. am I saying that word right? No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you like you. There's, like, you become the token black person. There are, like, experiences, again, that, like, I think at the time I was seeing some of that, those positives. And then, like, afterwards I sit and I think and it, like, kind of comes back to me, like, there was something else under there, too. But, Mm. yeah, yeah, sometimes it's, like. Yeah. I can relate. I know exactly. You grab the attention and you choose what you do with the attention. Mm -hmm. And I think even with the attention, you were saying that there comes all these assumptions that yeah. are naturally true about you. And yeah. so that that's like challenging. People might be seeing you, but they're not necessarily seeing you. Yeah. They're seeing their idea of you, positive or negative around that. So, yeah. so um, you know, there's this positive side. I love that you're talking about like food and, and like as the positive piece of getting, you told me getting involved in like culinary experiences is like super positive and, yeah. and like nourishing for you is there a piece and you all can speak to this but around the other side is like emotional eating you know and is there a piece of that 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 was that also shows up of like eating not because you're hungry but because you're wanting like the emotional comfort of food yeah absolutely that's that's been a struggle too it's like I know that food brings me comfort but I've had to like really work at making sure that it's bringing me comfort and like a productive productive and like healthy way and not just like snacking as a coping mechanism but like taking my time and going into the kitchen and like thinking through my meal and like spending time putting energy into it and then like sitting down and like slow food like making sure I'm enjoying it and not just like shoveling it into my (laughs) face and I yeah I've had like periods of just like bad binge eating and so I've been trying to like figure out that balance and like well not even a balance but like push that (laughs) out of my routine Mm. um but yeah and like cooking with I think cooking with people and sharing meals with people has been kind of how I avoid that because it's really easy for me on my own to like eat for emotional reasons yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) what do you all think you struggle Um, with that at all I don't emotionally eat I might emotionally like I say the kitchen is always my safe haven so like that's for uh, a conversation. I might have an argument with my wife, and <laughs> first thing I'm doing is like, you know what? I gotta make a menu. Like I don't want to talk. Like oh, um, <laughs> we arguing. I know we're not getting along, so I'll find everything in that kitchen to prep before I go home because I don't like I'm I'm upset. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, mm. like I said, I feel that's where I need to be right now. So I'm cutting this. I'm slicing that. Really, I should be going home <laughs> and just deal with it. <laughs> but as opposed to, I'm just. You're avoiding it by by get, but it's a place that sounds like you have some control and some joy in that space, and so it's definitely it's like a place to yeah, it's just a place to just be me and not have to face. I don't want to say I hide hide in the kitchen, but it's like that's that's my little domain, like that's what I do. You know yeah, what I'm so yeah, yeah. I don't 
guess everybody sort of stress eats, right? I, I have a penchant for like junky junk kinds of things. Like I won't go in the kitchen and cook anything like good. I think what works for me is like something salty and something sweet. Mm. So usually like some good chips, good potato chips and, and a good piece of vegan chocolate. Mm. Like and that that will or 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 some vegan cookies like that will that will satisfy whatever mm. that kind of like I'll do that kind of eating. Yeah. You know, I don't drink sodas or anything like that, but. But a good bag of chips and some good chocolate <laughs> and a good bottle of wine. <laughs> You're like, this is my joy. This is my joy. <laughs> it's not stress eating. This is my joy. That's it. That's my yeah. junk right there. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. I definitely like I notice when I'm stressed, stressed that I crave chocolate. And so just but I find that just helping to be aware of it shifts it. So then I can yeah. be like, oh, yeah, I'm craving that because I'm stressed, not because yeah. I actually want it. And then I sometimes can like choose to eat it or not yeah. eat it depending on that. But, but uh, yeah, I've definitely struggled with that too. Of Just like when I feel stressed and I'm like, oh, that thing, it's like having a treat, you know, the idea like yeah. I'm going to have a treat. I've been trying to shift my idea of what a treat means to not yeah. always mean something unhealthy. Because yeah. like we grew up with this thing like eat sugar, eat chocolate, eat all these things. But I'm like, why? Like treat should doesn't, it can be something special and something good for you, right? It mm. doesn't have to be like yeah. just, so I'm trying to notice like what I'm Although craving. Although chocolate is good for you. Yeah. I don't, actually, I don't have boy. an issue with eating chocolate, but it's more how much chocolate or just, or just like, is there something else that I could eat too that would still feel special or just not eat something sometimes like oh maybe i'm actually thirsty yeah <laughs> but it's like <laughs> i'm like let me drink some water and then i'm not hungry anymore but you know whatever is it it's a very complicated it's a complicated thing mm -hmm. yeah. and yeah i really relate to what you're talking about around the the finding fun food things to do that is really where where my joy is as yeah. well and i love you were talking about um this sort of connects to babs to, to the thing i wanted to invite you to talk about around being together with people and food and so Babs, can you tell us, you, you moved to a new house, a new apartment. Yes. And you now have a front porch yes. in, in a neighborhood. Tell me a little about like your new home oh. and your, your porch, porch life, porch living. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm back in the hood. <laughs> <laughs> I'm square in New Hallville, which, which my roots are, are there in New mm. Hallville, actually, around the corner from my childhood home, one of my childhood homes. So, so it comes with a front porch um, that for me speaks to everything of what we imagine community ought to be, right? People coming by, stopping by, sitting on the porch um, and eating and eating, eating on the porch. Like I've had whole dinners on the porch with my friends, <laughs> like whole meals, right? And cocktails and, and wine and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it really is just an extension of um, um, a, a kind of hospitality that I enjoy greatly being in the company of friends and eating. Like there's nothing more, um, you know, there's uh, uh, eating together is universal hospitality, you know, mm -hmm. peace. It is it is the symbol of peace when you can eat with people and you throw in a couple of good bottles of wine and it's a perfect, you know, it's a perfect way to gather. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So absolutely. So I'm I'm having a good time. And you're getting to know your neighbors. I noticed yes. like, you're often like posting pictures of people roller skating down the street. Oh, and my stopping gosh. To tie shoes on your front porch and stuff. Like, but you know what it is? Tell us. I, it's, you know, people have this sense of what they think the hood is and what a black neighborhood is. Mm -hmm. And people have this, this idea that, you know, there's drug deals going on, there's prostitution, there's, you know, there's crime, there's unruly children, there's drug mothers, all of that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, and that may well be true somewhere, but for the most part, 
it is a, just a beautiful street where people, I see young couples holding hands. I see little children riding their bikes. I see the roller skaters coming down the road on roller skates, black people on roller skates down the street. Uh, my neighbor has a bike with lights on it. And so you can see him 50 yards out, you know, when he rides his bike down the street. And, and it's so, I mean, it's just wonderful. I know my neighbors across the street. I know my neighbors next door. Um, they have come over and said, oh, we're so happy to see somebody enjoying this porch. Mm. You know, that, that, that you're bringing this kind of energy to the street. Yeah. And, and that makes me feel really good because that's all I know to do. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not yeah. pretending to do this. This is mm. this is you. This full is how, on, yeah, full this, on is, yeah. this is how I roll. So yeah. so it's nice to sort of have the neighbors like um, um, think it's, you know, when, I, when I'm sitting on the porch by myself, my my upstairs neighbor is like, uh, so what time is it? What time are the people coming? Like, what time, <laughs> <laughs> what time is dinner? What time is cocktails? So, you know, come back around about six, seven o'clock. <laughs> be a full swing. So, yeah. You know. So how has it changed your life? Like moving? I mean, you weren't living that far away, but not you no, were I mean, living I in living, a more quiet I mean, I was area. Li- I was so. living in Beaver Hill, which right. is, you know, wholly residential. Right. And it was a great place to raise my kids. I'm glad I was there. Um, but I, I feel uh, I feel a different kind of peace on Ivy Street that I didn't feel on Bellevue. You know, I feel very connected to to being. Um, bohemian and artistic and mm. creative um, in this space. I mean, I really do. I feel the energy of that neighborhood um, just flows through me. I, I feel everything about it. Mm. Uh, and I, and I, I enjoy it. Even when I hear, you know, somebody's bumping loud music. I mean, I never heard that on Bellevue. Right. Like I never, you, you see very little on Bellevue, you know, people, it's real quiet, they're very there. quiet. Yeah. People walk their dogs and, you know, I had you know lots of Jewish folks going to synagogue, but you know, anybody having a block party, you know, anybody sitting <laughs> on their porch, you know, it's none of that. You know, you don't see kids playing on the, you yeah. know, and so, so it just brought me back to a place where, um, um, this is an energetic neighborhood. It's vibrant. Mm-hmm. Not to say that Be- Beaver Hills is not vibrant. I'm not saying that. It's a different kind of vibrancy. Mm-hmm. This speaks to the me as the empty nester. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like I don't have kids now in yeah. the house. So it was just me in this beautiful apartment with hardwood floors. I mean, I had a hardwood floors in my house, but you know, everything's on one level and it just, it's given me, you know, it's given me New York. It makes me feel like I'm in Brooklyn. It makes me feel like, <laughs> you know, I mean, it just gives me a whole different kind of feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. And I love that you're talking about, the vibrancy of the neighborhood, because I think so much, especially like in Connecticut, where things are so segregated and people and even in New Haven, where things are so segregated and people say like, oh, don't go in that neighborhood, like in this neighborhood's where all the gun violence is or that neighborhood, there's a lot of drug dealing or different. And I think that if you're in those spaces, you all of a sudden see exactly what you're saying. Like there's there's people living and and having fun and having families and, and my being white vibrant. Friends come. And my yeah. white friends pull up like they pull up anywhere else. Yeah. They good. pull up just like they pull up on St. Ronan. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? Like they just roll in and and they just feel the the vibe of the yeah, people. Good. I mean, they don't feel afraid. They're good. not like I gotta lock my doors and mm-hmm. oh my god, I gotta look over my shit. No, they just come, they park, they come good. on the porch and hang out. Yeah. And I love it. And that's like what's important about people telling stories and posting stuff on social media to like change like what people are thinking. Yeah. Right. It's important. Yeah. yeah. It's important because that's not what most people are saying about New Hallville. Right. Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, oh, believe me. And, you know, you know. And, you know, and there's some truths to 
what's going on. Of I don't, course. Please, I don't want to sugarcoat that, you know, there's the drug game ain't alive sure. and well. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and young young people are pressed up against it and young people have guns. Oh, it is. It's no, and all people of are those dying. things. It's real. Yeah. You know, but there's this other story. That's right. Of people who have lived, I mean, the na- the people who live on my street immediately, they've been in their houses, they've owned their houses 40 and 50 years. Yeah. You know, I mean, and they still are in their houses. Mm-hmm. So there's that other story of history and belonging and, 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 and community, mm-hmm. you know, that's still there and thriving. Yeah. Yeah. It's a special place. I remember when I first moved back to New Haven and I was helping out with the, some of the community gardens over there. And then oh, yeah. some of my friends moved into houses on Winchester there. And so mm-hmm. I was just like hanging out with them. And I was like, this is an amazing, growing up here, I didn't, as a white person, didn't have, know very many people who lived in, in New Hallville, even though like, I think I went to school with a lot of folks, but I didn't go over their house. Yeah. And so like going there as an adult, I was like, this is an amazing community. And meeting some of the elders in the community who would be telling me stories yeah. about <laughs> back when they worked at Winchester Gun Factory and like all mm-hmm. the, th- how the neighborhood used to be. And you, but you can still feel it. You can still feel like that real, um, community feeling yeah. of that neighborhood even though there's lots of communities within it but but it is a really special place so it is it yeah. is it well is. i'm i'm enjoying watching you i know i haven't made it onto your porch yet <laughs> come but on i'll be over sometime soon come for on. sure <laughs> porch and with babs yeah so it. what's come your on. hashtag it's uh, well it's uh porch and with babs i guess <laughs> thank you steve i'm gonna use that and porch life porch, porch life, life porch living mm-hmm. um autumn is for porching yeah yeah <laughs> i love that that's awesome. Well, people can follow you and get a sense of what you're doing. It's beautiful. Um, so it sort of connects to what I wanted to talk about, which is I've been doing a little bit of traveling recently. I went, my husband and I just had our 20th anniversary yesterday. Happy anniversary. <laughs> so we never go away, just the two of us. And we went, um, I was just looking for like an inexpensive place to stay in the fall and ended up finding a little place in Vermont. And we were like, all right, let's go to Vermont. We just wanted to be away from people, really, you know. And it turned out like it was right outside Brattleboro and which is like southern Vermont. So it's like two hours from New Haven. Mm -hmm. And I realized like the thing I do everywhere I go is I just start talking to people like my husband was fine to just go read his book or do some writing, (laughs) sit and look at the river. He, You know, I like doing those things, too. But I end up just like wandering and talking to people and finding food everywhere. So I had like marked a bunch of things on Google Maps, (laughs) like searching out where's good food. And I saw there was this dosa truck. Do you know what dosas are like? Um. Have you had them before? It's an Indian food. Mm. So it's a it's a basically a big crispy pancake that is made of fermented rice and lentil flour. And so it's kind of has a little sourness, like really nice flavor to it. And they make it very, very thin on a hot griddle and then roll it up. So it's kind of crispy on the bottom and a little tender inside. And then they fill it. You eat it, dip it in like lentils and chutney or they fill it with stuff. And there used to be Tali 2 restaurant in New Haven. Yes. Had them really, really. That's where I actually yeah. first had them. Then they closed. I've been making them at home now. Um, so I, I'm kind of a fan of these. And I saw there was a Dosa food truck. And I was like, really? In the middle of Vermont? Like, what? <laughs> And then it turned out right next to it was a Jamaican food truck. So there was like a Jamaican woman who moved to Vermont from Jamaica who was making like amazing Jamaican food. And then this guy, Nash Patel, who had this Dosa truck. And he's Indian. I was like, really? Like... And they're right next to like a cheese factory, a cheese company. Like, okay, you know, only Vermont. you take it. Right, only is- <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Like, I go hunting for stuff. And, and so I started, we were there and it was like lunchtime, but it was sort of slow because it was like a Friday. And I started talking to the guy at the Dosa truck and asking about it. He had this beautiful, I'll show you right here. I have this, um, his cookbook, Dosa Kitchen. And I was like, what, what food company, what food truck 
has like a gorgeous cookbook, right? Mm. So it turns out his wife um, went to the Natural Gourmet Cooking School and writes cookbooks. And so she, they live in Vermont. They used to live in New York City. They now live in Vermont and made this absolutely gorgeous cookbook. Um, so we started talking and he invited me onto the truck to like learn how to oh, make dosas with him. Yeah, I saw you. I, yes. I couldn't post like the whole thing because it's like as a long, a little bit longer process to make it. But yeah, so he like invited me on to make dosas, which is exciting because um, it's a little tricky to make them. It's not mm. like the easiest thing. So I got to learn some of his techniques, and um, yeah, I just felt like so honored that he invited me up there. And it was this moment where I was like so grateful that I like to talk to people, and that when you like connect with people from your heart, and especially around food, it's like this easy entry point. Mm. I just felt so honored that he invited me on his truck. And so we went there a couple days for lunch. Super delicious. And one of his, you know, he does a lot of traditional food, but then also because um, he's right next to this cheese company, they did this very kind of New England dosa. So he has a an apple chutney that is his mom's apple chutney recipe that he did with cheddar cheese and greens. So it was sort of this very fall kind of New England recipe um, to go with all of his other more traditional ones. Wow. So. That was very Sounds special. Good. It was beautiful. And I wanted to share one other thing. So this is like to encourage people, sit on your front porch and talk to people. And when you're <laughs> traveling, go out and talk to people. So we, uh, you know, there'd be signs on the side of the road, like pie festival or um, apple heirloom apple tasting or something. So we like followed the signs through these back roads in Vermont again. <laughs> so I was like grateful. Like I'm a white person. I was like, okay, my husband is black, but also feels comfortable in Vermont. Like he ended up going to college in Vermont. So you know, aware of race dynamics and also like, we were like, all right, we're going to do Vermont's also sort of liberal country so sides. So we're like, there's Trump signs and then there's like rainbow flags. So <laughs> so we followed some signs over to this pie festival, this crazy pie festival in this town called Dummerston where they made like 1300 pies. It's like their big fundraiser what? for their for their church once a year. And we were talking to some, we actually saw a New Haven person there, which was crazy. They go there every year. And then they were like, their New friend Haven was like, everywhere. everywhere, right? So then they said, their friend was like, you got to go down the road to this apple orchard because they have these heirloom apples. And um, heirloom means like these really old varieties. Like now we have, you know, Gala apples and Macintosh apples and Red Delicious Granny Smith. Those are sort of like the regular commercial varieties. But there used to be thousands and thousands and thousands of apples that people don't really grow anymore. And so this is an orchard where a bunch of years ago, um, the person took over. It used to be all Macintosh and they started um, growing heirloom apple trees. So the way you grow new apple trees is you can graft where you cut off a branch yeah. and you take a little branch of the the, mm -hmm. the, old, the special variety you want to grow and you attach it to like a strong base of a tree. And so the strong base of like a Macintosh tree can now have branches or the whole you can you could graft all the branches and have all these new branches that grow these heirloom apples, these other varieties. And so over many decades, they now have like 130 heirloom apple varieties, like wow. crazy apples. So we went there and I had heard, I'm going to show you, there's this pink apple. So I it's getting a little brown because I cut it before. But there's this like pink fleshed apple that I had heard of. And I was like years ago and I was like, I want to try this apple, but haven't <laughs> been able to find it anywhere. So this is called a mountain rose. You can see this fresh cut here, how how bright pink this is. Wow. You want to try it and tell us what it tastes like. So this is this mountain rose apple. Oh, that is pretty. Um, and it is pink fleshed inside. It's oh, sometimes called that. hidden rose. And there's other varieties, but the farmer was like, he said, so this one actually tastes good. Because I think people, 
there's other ones. Sometimes heirloom apples are, are grown mostly for cider, or maybe they, they're good like they'll last all winter in storage, but they don't actually taste the best. So this one, this one he really liked. And I wanted to share another one. This is from a, a place called Scott's, I think it's Scott's Orchard in southern Vermont. This, so he had people there tasting all these different apples. And then again, this came from somebody just being like, you should go down the street to check out this apple orchard. He he was doing this tasting. And so we tasted lots of apples there. And um, he none of them I had ever heard of. He told us like about all these different these different apples. And um, this was our favorite. It's Ooh. called Rain de Renette. It's a Ooh. French apple. Why is too tart for you? Oh my gosh. Very tart. <laughs> It was good though. I thought it was like oh, tart good. and sweet. I like both. Do you like the taste of it? Yeah, it's really crisp and like refreshing. Yeah, so that's the rain de Renette, which is Ooh, which I just like. Make, it tickles my whole mouth. Yeah. Oh, isn't that special? <laughs> it's really tart. Yeah, I like tart apples, so I I, I probably could have brought you some sweet ones, but I only bought these oh, are pretty expensive, so I only brought the tart ones. <laughs> what do you think of the pink one, the mountain rose? I love that one. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. More mild. Yeah. But- Oh, sweeter and more mild, but I really like that tart one. You like the tart one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that was just like, what did you think of it? No, nah, I definitely enjoyed the tart one. The tart one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's special, right? Mm-hmm. I thought like, like, you can have some more if you want. <laughs> I, I could see a pie with this one. Yeah. This yeah. would make a good pie with cinnamon and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. maybe some raisins. Mm. Yeah, so I just want to encourage people, like, when you're traveling, just start talking to people. Ask, like, what's what's the good thing? to eat around here mm-hmm. and even in your own city right like i try to ask people that all the time if there's like listen take you got me know. going in all these little bodegas <laughs> and all these little places chasing down all these little i find i, I was like what would tegan do she would go in there <laughs> yeah that's so good i know for me it's like the alley with the smell coming some good smell i'm like what's down there mm-hmm. but but seriously it's like that's that's for me the food adventure it really is this thing that brings me joy like you said you're alive in the kitchen which i feel mm-hmm. too but i'm realizing that like my real joy is like being out adventuring in the mm-hmm. community and talking to people and and talking to the workers too like what's happening for real like i might love this food but if they're treating the workers horribly like you know, then it's like, how can I advocate or not support that place or, you know, but, but, uh, the good and the bad, but just the getting out in the community. Yeah. So that's good. I'm glad you're adventuring that. I am. You, I'm telling you, you, you know, you've already turned me on to so many things that I've added to my life. So, mm. you know, I'm but good. you've done the same for me. Yes. So good. Well, thank you all so much for, for joining me today. It's really special. Thank you for having for us. Yeah. I love the food squad. Yeah, so I'm going to post up on thetableunderground.com. I'll post everybody's contact info or ways that they can follow you, and um, and I'll, I think I'm going to get your recipe. We're going to get yep. it up there, so people can check us out by podcast and on thetableunderground.com. I'll get that stuff up either later today or tomorrow, and then they can they can follow, and thank you all so much. Thank you, Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks for those apps. <laughs> so good. good. Mm-hmm. All right, Chef Steven, I'm gonna need you to make me this. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. Don't blame me. <laughs> <laughs>